talking to like advisors and then being like, well, we need female engineers. Yes, we do. You're really great at chemistry. You're really great at math. Like you could do this. And I'm like, what even the fuck is an engineer? I was raised to be a fucking trophy wife. Okay. Like I was like a little cotillion piano lessons, like Bel Air country club tennis playing. Oh, like who somehow also wound up on the streets, right? A Renaissance woman. I'm trying to tell you something about my life. You are listening to Living Our Best Lives. And the best thing you've ever done for me is to help me take my life less seriously. It's only life after all. I don't remember the rest, but this was my theme song to those who were asking if I was gonna have a theme song. Here you go. Yay. Hello. <laughs> Hi, welcome. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Oh my God, I'm here. I can't believe it. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it too. What the heck? I'm here with my sister. I'm Bianca Christensen. My pronouns are she, they, and I live in Los Angeles, specifically in Koreatown. Um, I've been in LA on and off since about 94. I really love it here. Woo! I love that. And then where are you from? So I was born in Germany. Uh, we moved to the States when I was really young, like eight, and then lived in New Jersey for a while. It was pretty rural. Grew up next to a dairy farm. It's a great childhood. <laughs> I forget um, that you're from, you lived in Jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Random. I would say I try to forget too, just because everyone loves to hate on Jersey, but that's not fair. It's not fair. It was really cute. I liked it a lot. Shout out Garden State. Hey. So we moved to LA when I was getting ready to start high school. And that was obviously like a huge culture shift, mm -hmm. um, but I did fall in love with LA. Now, could you please tell us a little bit about any elements of your identity that you'd like anyone to know about? I mean, I guess like most like famously, like what people know me for is that I'm a scientist. I'm a chemical engineer. Um, I went to school for that. And, um, but I do a lot of other stuff too. Uh, I guess I'm also known for having too many hobbies. <laughs> um, so I'm an oil painter um, and uh, I'm a wine expert. Um, that's actually something that I got into at the start of the pandemic. I actually have a, a wine education night coming up this week that I'm really excited about and starting to do more of those. So exciting. Yeah. So just trying to teach more people how to taste and how to approach wine and just share my passion. I just love talking about the things I'm passionate about. You are and, so fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, Angelinos, hit her up to go to that, please. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Actually, another thing of it, this will come out after that rip, but there'll be more. Rip. Would you say that you identify as a light worker, empath, starseed, any of those terms or any other kind of like spiritual terms? So that's an interesting question. I don't think any of that nomenclature resonates with me. Definitely, I'm, I am a very spiritual person. Like I have a spiritual practice, but I kind of feel like I'm also making it up as I go along. <laughs> so <laughs> I get that. I do call myself like a witch. Yep. Right. And but I think like at its core, like witchcraft is basically uh, just manifesting and it's it's basically a conversation that like you're having with yourself vis-a-vis -vis the universe, right? Yeah. Because we're just the universe experiencing itself. 
So I'm just talking back to it, I guess. Okay. We're already starting strong. I love that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love to call myself a gay witch. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, um, like a fancy sandwich. <laughs> it kind of does. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'm like hungry. So now we said that I'm like, dang. Yeah. I'm getting a burrito after this. I can't wait. Good. As you should. I'm going to ask everybody this, that I'm close to, uh, but our stories especially really fun. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to chat about how we met because that also will tie into the conversation we're going to have today, which is what I'm kind of going to title, How to Learn to Love Being Alone, Manifesting Your Dream Life. So we're going to focus in on that kind of stuff. Um, so do you want to take it away with like your end? Right. I guess like what's interesting about how we met is just like that we clicked so instantly, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in need of a roommate for my little two bedroom here in Koreatown, Los Angeles, and had exhausted all the other avenues. And I was like, fuck it. I'm putting out an ad on Facebook because I was still active on Facebook at the time. And you showed up. <laughs> right. And I just knew like right away. It was so crazy. Like I was just like, <laughs> like that little voice inside of me was like, yes, this person, like you can trust this person, right? Like, like you can feel safe with this person. This is someone that I want to get to know. So like, I remember like, literally like you toured and luckily you didn't prove me wrong. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. You toured the apartment and I was like, it's yours if you want it. Honestly, you're cool as fuck. I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and then we just kind of like vibed for a bit. Can confirm. Yeah. And then shit got weird <laughs> because pandemic happened. Oh my oh, God. Yeah, that was crazy. Yes. We, we did that together. Yeah. I know. Well, we had a good run right beforehand and everything. It was so divinely timed. But like, I remember from my end too, you said I could park in the back. So you like let me in with the remote uh-huh. and I like narrowly missed like swiping my car, which later I would do. <laughs> yeah. It's like the world's tiniest parking lot with like the most narrow little turn to get out of there. I've lived here for five years and I still kind of just like squint and hope for the best when I try to get out of there. No, at least there's a spot at all, though, because Koreatown infamous for the garbage parking on the streets. Yes. So I'm so happy that we had that little lot. Yes. I was thinking back to when I met you and I remember like I just like I don't even know. I just popped a squat like on the ground. I remember that. And I'm just looking up at you. And then I like looked to the left and saw like an ABBA record. And I was like, all right, I can trust them. (laughs) 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 And we just kept like laughing. And I was like, oh, please. And that saved me too from like very messy time of like lease breaking, breakup. So like I was so happy to have found his place, but then also click with you. Yeah. You're my favorite roommate ever. We established like a really safe, a nurturing household and got really close through all of that and then you like did my makeup before loaned me your lydia deets costume for a halloween do you remember that oh that's right yes, yes. i tell everybody this i'm like yeah bianca literally taught me how to be a proper adult like she'd be like <laughs> okay we need a clean right now like we need a deep clean. i'm like fine wow that's hilarious <laughs> you meal prep and like do yoga and all these things very inspiring but then also like you know have a good fucking time like you know, we we had some fun together. I'm like, how much, how far should I go on this? But we had some, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. In the living room. Oh, yes. I do remember that. Can we say on the podcast? I think we can say it. Yeah. Olivia had never experienced eating s'mores. And she was going to go to, was it Tahoe? Big Bear. She was going to go to Ta- Big Bear. Sorry. 
and eat some s'mores. I was on the friends, but I was like, the first time you should eat the s'mores at home. Like you know what the vibe is and you feel safe. So <laughs> yes. uh, I big sistered her through that experience together. And we had a great time. We walked to the Ross and buying candles. <laughs> <laughs> like eight candles we bought so many candles and then we came home and like colored and watched the little mermaid and read red tarot cards for my cats yes for your cats which there were three at the time yes and it was an ex- that's like an extremely lesbian thing to do of us we were like fully psychoanalyzing the cats we we're like oh Weetzie, he's such a cancer such a cancer but he is such a cancer no he really is i know for real and it's leo season now speaking of speak of the devil i believe it's somebody's birthday today it would have been am i wrong it is uh uh my cat mister's birthday we unfortunately i lost him this year he had a a neurological event um so we weren't able to save him and it would have been his sixth birthday today i did tear up a little bit earlier today I guess like the really reassuring thing or like comforting thing that came out of that was um, like when I posted on Instagram that Mr. Had passed away, there was just like such an outpouring from like neighbors and friends. Cause like he was such an outgoing cat. And he really was. Everyone did really, really love him. Yeah. Like that cat's more popular than I've ever been. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's valid. That's very valid. valid. I know. I feel lucky that I got to live with him and he got to meet so many of my peeps. Like my friend Chloe loved him. <laughs> Absolutely loved him. <laughs> He loved meeting people. He did. He would just go right up to them. We can all learn something from Mr. Because Mr. was just so confident in his capacity to be loved, right? Yes, yes. Mr. always approached a new person like, what's up? I'm Mr. You're going to love the shit out of me. Watch this, right? And it's like, if you're going to learn life lessons from a cat. I really, I really aspire to have Mr.'s level of of self-love and confidence. He had all the self-love and confidence. He really did. I wanted to have you on here on this podcast, Living Our Best Lives, because you inspire me and always have cheesy. Um, You're like a big sister to me and truly a prime example of someone who's living their best life. And I wrote down here, I said, like, fuck, you were just traveling Europe casually. Can we talk about that for a second? How was the trip? Oh, it was so much fun. Um, Yeah, it was really spur of the moment. Obviously, everyone and their mom is in Europe right now. And I was one of them, <laughs> me and your mom. <laughs> Mommy, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'd never been to um, France before, let alone in the south of France. And it was a really beautiful experience to go do that with um, my brother and his girlfriend and friends and loved ones. And then went to London to meet up with a friend who's staying there. And I guess what I got out of that trip, one, I desperately needed a vacation. But two, I don't know. It kind of woke up like this homesickness in me for Europe. So I think like now, like Mm -hmm. in this next stage of my life, I am going to uh, try and be like a little more international. (laughs) Mr. Worldwide. (laughs) Yeah. Uh (laughs) Pitbull. Hello. Pitbull voice. (laughs) But like, yes, um, I feel very comfortable in LA and I'm I'm very happy with like my life and it will always be my home base. But I would like to spend at least three months out of the year living somewhere else. So that's, that's my new goal is just like every year I'm going to pick somewhere and just be there and the cats are coming with me. So that's something I have to figure out. That's sick. Wait, do you have another place in mind that you would go to next? I was thinking about starting in London. Um, because I do have mm. some friends there and I did really love London. Um, I'm dying to go there. Literally let me yeah. know when you're going. I think while I'm there, it's really easy just to jet around kind of neighboring, like get over to Europe and 
try and figure out what the next spot is. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe Italy or or France or something like that. But every year I'm going to pick something else. That's the thing. Fun. Yeah. I love that. The photos looked amazing. You were like on the water a lot, looking so hot. And then one time, I think Dan pushed you in. <laughs> that was a good photo. <laughs> My brother, Dan. Yeah. One of our friends is like an actual photographer and he was like taking pictures of all the girls on the boat. So we're all like posing all cute. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Dan being my brother just had to troll me a little bit. So he pushed me in mid-pose. Oh my God. I was holding a full glass of champagne too. And it went down with me. And I got water in my nose, but it was a lot of fun. Tomatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> tomato, 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 tomato. Exactly. I love you because you always catch all the meme references. We can just spit them back and forth. <laughs> I'm basically a walking meme at this point. I am fully online. Like I will never unplug from the matrix. <laughs> never. So moving forward, uh, you mentioned that you're a chemical engineer and I wrote down that you, you know, yeah, you're killing it doing that, being badass. Um, I'd love to hear how you got to this point in your life. Like give a little backstory moment um, just because you've had a lot of experiences. Like it wasn't the classic, you know, trajectory to get to this chemical engineering path. Right. Yeah. Like I did not follow the traditional <laughs> high school straight to college. Classic. To job. <laughs> pipeline. pipeline. Yeah. So here in LA, like I, I pretty much grew up in the Palisades and I went to a really great um, high school in Bel Air and um, like everything certainly seemed to be on track there. And then it turned out that my dad was actually a white collar criminal. Um, so, you know, the IRS seized everything and in a series of unfortunate events that kind of, you know, it all kind of just led to, I guess, my rock bottom. Um, and I'm, I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff here because it's just a lot, but wound up with me just being like homeless and in an abusive, like very violent relationship for uh, close to three years. I mean, it's really hard to remember like the exact timeline at this point, um, But yeah, uh, and then having gone through something like that and like burned all my bridges, but wanting more for myself Mm -hmm. and knowing that if I was going to change my life, I was going to have to be the fucking one to do it and that I would have to Mm. crawl up out of this, right? And somehow manage to do that. Um, Yes, which is huge, which is literally huge. Like when you told me that you were homeless, I was like, wait, where? Yeah, no, I was like straight up like on the streets, like living on the streets all over. In Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, like panhandling and all of that. And, um, you know, like had my brush with drug addiction and also like, mm-hmm. I think also, you know, the abusive partner that I had at the time made it really hard to get away from yeah. that. Cause certainly he. Fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like he wanted me <laughs> on a certain level because he could mm-hmm. easily use me to make money out there. And then he would have like free money for drugs. So like, yeah, just like getting pimped out like that kind of sucks. Right. Hate that for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, like definitely so while I grew up in like a wealthy family and from the outside it seemed like I had everything I wanted emotionally I did not right and right I love my parents and I I feel a lot of kindness and tenderness towards them um Mm -hmm. and they're deceased so you know Mm -hmm. nothing's getting ruined by my saying these things now but yeah it wasn't um it wasn't an emotionally safe household let's just put it like that and I did get used to a certain level of abuse as a child right like uh, the first time that I was sexually abused was in the fourth grade. So wow. yeah, but you know, therapy's great. Um, we love therapy. 
therapy is wonderful. But I think that's what made it really easy for me to get into a situation like that because uh, you grow up like that and you start to have these really limiting beliefs about yourself, right? Like I, growing up, believed that there was something wrong with me. Yeah. So for someone to hit me and to tell me that there's something wrong with me, I was like, well, there fucking is. I fucking knew it, right? <sighs> Yeah. But, and then like to get, to get out of like being homelessness is like, you have to really confront that shadow. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. You have to, you know, like if you're mm-hmm. using, you can't be using anymore and you have to like, you know, go try and find to get a job when you have no address and no resources and yeah, day in and day out, like just work so hard. Like I was um, like taking showers, AKA and like gas station bathrooms by just like pouring cups of water over myself like over the drain right or like a few times I like snuck into people's backyards and used their hoses oh my god <laughs> as you should fuck it yeah um dude uh, you are a warrior <laughs> I'm a fucking warrior uh and I yeah and then I got to this point where I was like I knew I wanted to you know clean myself up and get back to school and um and try and like you know make my parents proud and do right by them and and live up to my potential And, um, I wound up being able to do that by enrolling myself finally in like community college. And, um, I was dancing, you know, like, like stripping to, to pay for those bills and stripping actually helped kind of save my life. Fuck yeah. But I'm not going to say that, like, say like sex work is for everyone because it is really hard. You have to have like a certain mindset. You have to be very tough in yourself, but I will say that it did, it gave me access to resources again. And also like, I think after, you know, being broken down by someone in an abusive relationship for like years mm-hmm. and uh, believing them when they say that you're ugly and you're trash and no one else will want you. And then you get up on a stage and you're just like making men just bow down to you and drool uh. over you and give you everything you want. And that started, I think that started opening my mind again, where I was like, oh no, I can do anything and I can have everything that I want. Right. Yes. And I've like evolved past that since then. But I do always remember that as like a, a, really eye-opening moment for me and getting myself back together oh fuck yes and then like going into community college and trying to figure out like what I wanted to do like I went back to school and I was like maybe I want to be like a veterinarian you know like I wanted to be a ballet dancer growing up but I I injured myself when I was younger so I couldn't do that and I knew I wanted something at that point that would give me stability Mm -hmm. but that also would be something that I was passionate about right and I was always a big science nerd growing up but it's funny because when I was in college, I was terrible at math. Like I just refused to do math and I'm actually very good at math. And it turned out I had also like an undiagnosed learning disability yes. that I learned about. Like, so like as in my early twenties, coming off the streets, getting a abuse relationship, learning about how my mind works, right? Wow. And, and, and how to make my mind work for me. Yeah. And then being like, oh shit, like all this time I thought I sucked at math. I'm actually a fucking genius at math. Like, yes. right. And again, I was like, I can do anything. And that's kind of like how I got into chemical engineering is like, you know, what classes was I good at? And like talking to like advisors and then being like, well, we need female engineers. Yes, we do. You're really great at chemistry. You're really great at math. Like you could do this. And I'm like, what even the fuck is an engineer? I was raised to be a fucking trophy wife. Okay. Like I was like a little cotillion piano lessons, like Bel Air country club tennis playing. Oh, like who somehow also wound up on the streets. Right. A Renaissance woman. So for me to be like, oh shit, I'm going to be like an entire scientist. And I always did want to be a scientist. Like I remember like reading the encyclopedia when I was little and looking at like all those German scientists, like physicists and, and you know, really admiring them. That's how I got into that. 
Ugh, wow, chills. At a certain point, dancing didn't work for me anymore. So I gave that up and I just, you know, I did like undergrad research and I got like every fucking quarter I had like four. Sorry, I'm cussing on this podcast. <laughs> I swear all the fucking time on this, please. I'm doing undergrad research and I have like five fucking seven grants, like every quarter, just hustling, like trying to get through school. Right. And, uh, but I did it. And where were you living at this point? So this was in Orange County. So I went to school in Irvine. I wound up living on campus. I wound up living in grad student housing. Oh, One, because I was an older an older student and two, because I was doing so much undergrad research that like my, my grad student mentor was like, it just makes more sense if we live together and we can go to the lab together. And we were running. Yeah, we were running like, we were running like a lot of like overnight experiences. She was great. I love, I think about her all the time. Hope she's doing well. Yeah. We would go into the lab, like work all night, just crush out some science and then like, wow, sit up and like smoke cigarettes and drink like Jack Daniels, <laughs> wake up in the morning, do it all again. So when I got into engineering, like my idea was always like, I really did like want to work on cancer. And uh, <clears throat> it turns out, ironically, that cancer has touched my life in, in a very intimate way. Uh, my mom and my stepdad died of the same rare lung cancer, which at the time was not treatable. Um, yeah. And I don't want to talk about like the company that I work for anything like that really here, but, um, right. I, cause I don't represent them, but I will say that, uh, I am now working on, on cancer and it feels really good to be doing that and, uh, wake up every day and, and know that I'm helping the patients out there and eradicating these things one at a time. It feels, so that's very different from like, who was Bianca in her early twenties, like on the streets, like a fucking nobody. And now I'm out here and I'm actually doing some good in the world. Right. And just fills my heart with so much joy. Gets my dick hard in the morning, you know, <laughs> as it should, as it should. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this sort of like your dream job or one of them that you've like had your eye on? Yeah. Yeah. So the company that I worked for specifically, I wanted to work for in college. And, um, I had two other jobs mm-hmm. before this. Kind of gaining mm-hmm. the experience that I needed to be able to take on this job, and and definitely like the field of of research is what's always interested me. Um, meeting like an unmet need, so yeah, that's so cool. Dare I say that you manifested this? <laughs> Obviously, you worked so much too. I mean, yeah, but like, what is manifestation? But um, believing that you can have something and, and being tender and vulnerable enough to put that out in the universe and say, I want this and hope that it comes back to you. Right. And, um, yeah. So that's kind of how it happened because I networked and kept working on that and kept asking for it and thinking about it. And here I am. Yay. I love that so much. Currently manifesting a job for myself right now, which you might already know that. Yeah. We're in between and we're fun employed right now. Hey. But it feels good, though, because I ended the retail journey once and for all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's important. It's like sometimes you have to make room in your life for what's next. Exactly. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like, but I have enough money to be okay for a second. Like, not not so long, but like, you know, I've got contingency for like two months. If, you know, and also shout out to credit cards. They are there for me in these times. (laughs) Um, Um, I'm not a financial advisor. That's for sure. But <laughs> my cat moon is screaming. Your cat right moon now. is like, <laughs> Olivia, I know, I know. No, no, I know you're responsible. Hey, Ilya. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's just like one of those things where like sometimes you have to like leap and then the universe will catch you kind of things. That's kind of me right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like how you said, got to create the space. It's like, I honestly feel like those retail jobs are like, we're like blocking my blessings, you know, kind of in a way because yeah, I'm like on a different vibration when I'm there. I'm very angry and not having a good time, not doing what I'm, you know, it's, it's taking up your energy right? Exactly. It's keeping you on a certain track. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have like the freedom to go out and maybe like meet new people that could like point you in the direction of your new job, right? Mm -hmm. Even something as basic as that. You know, I wonder, is that kind of how you felt maybe sort of when you were like still dancing and doing school? Like it's just two different wavelength kind of vibes or it just didn't fit? It was two different wavelengths. And I danced for a long time. I think I danced for like eight years. Wow. And it got to a point where, yeah, it I felt like I had outgrown that person because in order to be a successful stripper, you have to really, you go there and you, you are putting on an act, right? You're selling a fantasy to men. Yeah. And it gone to a point where I was in a point of my academic career, what I was asking for a lot of respect for men in a male dominated field. And I just felt mm-hmm. like those two parts of me didn't click together anymore. And it was time for me to get away mm-hmm. from like man pleasing Bianca, even if it was just an act. Right. Yes. That makes sense. Because like, there's a part of it that maybe, you know, you got to like believe it a bit, even if it is an act, like that, yeah. that's like how you're acting in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. And, you know, yeah. also like working in an industry like that can give you very unhealthy attitudes about men and relationships too. So I think, Yeah. So at a certain point, I had to get away. Yeah, I had to get away from that because I didn't want to like become bitter. I hear that. I respect that. So I know you, like you're very tapped into your intuition as well. I'm curious to hear about like, and I know you said, you know, you feel like you're making up as you go kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I feel that it's very like, you know, curated just for us. But I'd love to hear about like when spirituality came into your life. Yes. So my mom was really spiritual. And it's interesting because like, so we grew up in like a very, I grew up in like a household where my mom was really religious. Like she was like Lutheran when we grew up. But at some point she found like a spirituality that was more fluid. Right. And when I was on the streets, my mom was the person that I kind of connected to when I was in that abusive relationship to help me get out of it. Yes. You know, and not only did she give me great advice, she helped me escape from it. Um, Yeah. Like she taught me to like, cut holes in my pocket so that I could hide my money and like the lining of my coats and stuff like just things like that right Um, but she also started trying to incorporate me into her spiritual practice which was at the time Kabbalah and I wasn't really into any of that right then but definitely I'm sentimental and it gave me comfort when I was trying to get out of the situation to look over like the books my mom had given me or like the meditation she'd given me to think about or like a little crystal to hold right Mm. And I think that's kind of like how it entered my mind. And then, you know, as I, as I grew more, I started to take my own pieces from little practices everywhere. Right. Like I like to do, you know, I like to do like a a full moon ritual and I really believe in like this, like cyclical nature, right. Of um, Mm -hmm. Like there's a time to rest and there is a time Mm -hmm. to work. Right. And like, there's a time for a full moon, there's a time for a new moon and also taking the opportunity to, reflect back on some things maybe you need to let go of right and then look forward into the things that you are trying to manifest right so I feel like every moon cycle has like its own lesson that I try to incorporate and then I guess also like the importance of the spiritual voice for me was as somebody who grew up in abuse it's like 
you lose your internal voice. You don't know how to listen to yourself. You don't know what you want because you're so used to your, um, you know, you're like your trauma and foreign behaviors, like people pleasing or, or fawning and right. And trying to like minimize those things. So you don't know yep. what you want or, you know, anything like that. So for me, starting a spiritual practice totally. where I was kind of like talking to the universe and realizing that was just me talking to me was a big thing, you know? And it's yeah. like, you know, we both do tarot, right? And for mm. me, tarot is not, tarot is for me a way for me to get into touch with, well, what do I want, right? Because how I'm interpreting those cards says a lot about what I really hope will happen, right? Mm-hmm. I know. I, yeah. I love connecting like with my higher self most. Cause a lot of people will talk to like their guides or angels or, you know, God or whatever they want to refer to like the higher powers. Mm-hmm. But I love connecting specifically with my highest version of me, which I believe we all have one. Yeah. Exactly. I always think about it. Like I'm my, I'm my own life's work. Right. And there's like some, there's some like representation of myself, like some evolved Bianca. That's like my own my yes. own spirit guide right same I feel yeah. the same fucking way yeah so you're currently zooming me from your apartment which we love that apartment I lived there too for a bit mm-hmm. hey. I just kind of want to hear the story of how exactly you ended up getting this place and how special this place specifically is to you because I know you put a lot of work into renovating it oh yeah so this place is really special to me. Um, I've lived in this apartment for five years now. Wow. Um, I think I'll be going on six in January. I think this is actually the longest I've lived in one place. Like I definitely had a life where we like moved around mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and then like, you know, like in high school, I like just got sent to like various assorted programs. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, you were, you were on the move. <laughs> Always been on the move, right? Yeah. Um, and then obviously like didn't have a home for a while. And I think this is the first place that I have made for myself yeah that is my home where I'm secure yeah um and so I got into this place after moving back from Connecticut which was where I had my first job out of college mm-hmm. um, and you got mister there I got mister there yep. drove mister across the country with me. <laughs> had just had like an absolutely heart-shattering breakup with someone that I'd been in a relationship with, with for like almost two and a half years where it turned out like they were just basically a lie the whole time. Um, Right. And so got out of that, came here, found this apartment, just fell in love with it and moved in. And I always knew that this would be the place where I did like a lot of healing because I was already coming into it heartbroken. Right. Yeah. And um, had, you know, had like a couple of roommates, just like people that I knew that stayed with me on and off for a while and sometimes lived alone. And then you were, my final roommate, just because you were so outstanding that there can never be another one. Stop it. (laughs) Go on. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. And so, um, and especially, I guess, like, as I've really been focusing on myself and like healing, like PTSD and all this, I've, I've really more and more focused, right? Like healing your inner child, right? Yes. Giving that inner child the safety that they never had. And part of that has been like, my expression of decorating my home yes. and making it exactly the way that I want to be. Painting like this is it all over. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is so fun for your inner child. It is. And I have like my little painting studio, you know, and I get to work from home. So like, it's like all of the things I love are here. My cats are here. 
for me to invite someone into my home is like a big deal for me because I don't really invite people in. Right. Yeah. No, totally. I feel the same way about my place now. I literally set the intention when I moved into my first one bedroom. I was like, I only want people in here that are of my highest good and highest best. Like that's almost like a mini spell. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to watch the energy of your space. And, um, there, there have been a few times in my life where I like briefly lived alone and I always loved it and knew that I wanted that. And, um, I've certainly never been someone who I've never been on any of like the traditional life track. I I feel that I've never been someone who felt like I was going to uh, get married and have like that kind of like full time partnership where there's always someone in my space. Right. Yeah. Like I think it will always be important to me on some level to have my own space. And I strongly encourage everyone to do that. I think it's really important especially when you're young, yes. you, you just learn a lot about yourself and your ability to rely on yourself. Yeah. Um, and it's even just down to decorating and expressing your own yes. individual taste. It's very important. I totally agree. It's just a whole thing to be that self-reliant. Yes. You know, and also a reminder too, that like, yeah, you're alone, but you also are never alone too. Like, you know, we've got neighbors, have we have our phones, mm-hmm. you know, I can connect with, go out. If I feel really, really lonely, right. I can just go outside. And I see a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. So certainly there are times. Um, I think because like I work from home, and it's like, and I'll, I'll not mm-hmm. leave the apartment <laughs> yeah. all day. And at the end of the day, I'm like, my precious, you know. <laughs> like, I don't know how to leave. I'm just, I'm blinking in the harsh yeah. glare of the sun. <laughs> we just become Quasimodo vibes and like hunchback, like. <laughs> And like, you know, I say we're alone, but we both have two cats and I also have a little tortoise. Right. So like, I'll tell people like, yeah, I live alone. And they're like, you don't live alone. You have three pets. I'm like, okay, no, you're right. You are very right. Yeah. Because <laughs> that is true. You know, we got little furry friends. I am definitely, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm someone who's always really bonded with my animals. So that's definitely, yeah. it's, it's our little space. It's our little household. Yes. Yeah wrote down here I guess yeah so I wrote I never thought I'd live alone like if I told 18 19 even 20 year old me and I'm 24 now like that she would be in a random state (laughs) that I would have never thought to live in Pennsylvania living alone like I probably wouldn't believe myself um how about you like did you always foresee yourself I mean you did mention this right now so maybe we already kind of answered this but like did you always see yourself living alone at some point or was that like a later shift I definitely did always see myself living alone I I was never like the little girl who fantasized about like her wedding day (laughs) I would think about like my home like my home and what it would look like you know like a little garden and I always did want like two cats and hell yeah I always did want it to be like have like a little witchy vibe right and I did always want it to have like an art studio Mm -hmm. and when I was dancing I, I wanted like my own little ballet studio um so I think it's really affirming to me now to look at what I've created for myself here and say, it does, it matches that vision. Right. And um, if the mm-hmm. LA housing market ever allows me to buy a home, I do plan on, you know, yes. I'm not waiting for anyone to live with. I think, I think my strategy in life is um, I'm very happy being on my own. I love myself very much and I have a lot of faith in my ability so I'm going to go out and do that. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if it does wind up that somebody winds up sharing that experience with me, that's great. But I'm going to have it no matter what. 
Yes. Yes. You're such an inspiration for that. Because I feel like so many people want to wait until they find, you know, that person to like, like, allow themselves to like, you know, live the life they want to live. No, you should never. You don't want to like, don't rely on people. Rely on yourself, even when you're in love. Okay. Like, I'm sorry. Like, being in love is not oh, I have this person as a guarantee 100%. You never know what's no, going to happen. You never you know. know. People, people die. They they change, you know, like not uh, things in life aren't meant to be grasped onto that firmly except for yourself and your confidence in yourself and your assurance in yourself, right? Like I watched my mom um, as, you know, as like a stay-at-home partner um, and I guess aka trophy wife be very dependent on her husband's. Right. And then that, I I think maybe this is where that comes from. And that I guess does tie a little into like my emotional unavailability that I've had to work on. Right. But I'm like watching my dad, like jet set around the world and he just has his mistresses and my mom's stuck at home and she's reliant on him. Right. And then it's like, and then you get divorced and like, you don't have like a career and like, you're really reliant on like alimony. And that to me just looked so heartbreaking and terrifying. You know, that I've, I've always just like run in the opposite direction of that. And I think some things about that are good and some things about that are bad. Right. I've, I've definitely had to work on um, how do I let people in? Right? right. We don't want the extremes. No. Yeah. Let people in, but don't make them the center of your life. The center of your life is always yourself. Even in a partnership, spend 60, 60 or 70 percent of your time is, you know, it should be yours. I messed up here and there's a weird transition blank space, but it's overnight. You know, because literally what I wrote down here was growing up where you shown examples of role models on how to be independent and live alone. But you answered it by like having the reverse. Yeah. As, right. as, as yes. an example. And I feel very similar to that too. Like, you know, my parents live lives that are totally different from mine and I, and I love them. And, you know, I really, I resonate more with my mom's um, than with my dad, how he lives yeah. his life. Like, you know, well, this takes me back to a memory that I had um, when I was working at the job I was working at when I was living with you. Oh yeah. We had this uh, guy, he was the oldest in the office. He was probably only like 55, but still it was a lot of like 30 40 year olds there and then like me just like an outlier at like 22 but I was like office managing so anyway we had this younger like intern there who was like 19 from the south I forget where I think Alabama <laughs> the older guy who was always like famously very bitter like didn't smile much like he was just always like kind of grumpy but you know we loved him he was listening to this kid like kind of drone on about like how he's like very Republican or something because his parents like think that way and then like he started talking to him and, being, and listening to him and just kind of following along and he's like do you believe that and he's like well it's just like what my parents you know right believe and and he's like, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. He's like eating a snack or something. We were in the kitchen. He's like, never listen to anybody for advice, yeah. but especially your fucking parents. Dang. I love that. And walked away. <laughs> and we all were like, yeah. <laughs> king. Like, <laughs> king. Because it's true. And that will stick with me forever because that kid was so shaken up. He was like, what do you mean? But yeah. It's just true. I mean, like, I don't know. And, you know, you mentioned people pleasing. And I definitely also growing up in Michigan, the Midwest, I definitely had to break being a people pleaser. And it's a slippery slope, Mm -hmm. let me say. Um, It is. It's a slippery slope because it's like a foundation that I built growing up just like, you know, trying to make my siblings happy when we had like a very tumultuous like divorce going on, like a whole slew of shit was messy. And 
you know, trying to make my parents be happy when they're both having a time and, you know, juggling school and friendships. But um, I'm kind of lost my chain of thought with this with people pleasing him. Oh, yeah, I guess I just kind of had to learn, like, I don't know, to set bound. I really lost my chain of thought. Damn it. (laughs) ADHD. It happens. I guess to button that up, maybe I'll just kind of say that, like, we can do it, but like, we're not pleasing ourselves. So eventually you're going to snap. And that kind of has happened to me before in relationships or friendships or anything. Like if I'm just being like, yeah, it's fine. One day I'm going to be like, no, it's not fine. And then they're like, wait, what do you mean? It's just a whole mess. Yeah. Oof. Well, you lose yourself, right? Yep. And you allow your boundaries to be eroded over and over. You don't know where they are. You don't know, right? And just thinking that you are responsible for everyone else's emotions is just a terrible way to go through life. I think that is like one of the reasons why it's important to spend time living alone and spend time crafting your own life and taking accountability for that because you can't really people please anymore when you're doing that you have to put yourself first you you know to a certain extent to a healthy extent I remember reading something like if you're people pleasing like you're doing the opposite of what you think you're doing like you're controlling yes you're trying to control the situation it is yeah like codependency and people pleasing are actually controlling manipulative behaviors and I don't think that gets talked about enough like that stuff that's definitely something that like I've learned um, as I've, you know, progressed through my own uh, therapy journey is uh, like as someone with a, with like pretty severe abandonment issues, my trying to people please and control like the narrative and keep people in my life is like just like like this really unhealthy way of me being really uncomfortable with uncertainty yeah. because at my core, I had this like huge scarcity mindset where I, I believe that that nothing nothing like I really didn't deserve anything and anything that I could get it was like sand slipping through my fingers right and you're just trying to like hold on to anything and you're not even asking yourself is this the right thing for me so in order to get out of that you have to really take the time be alone and confront that like that shadow part that really cringy part of yourself that you're so embarrassed about and learn to love yourself and forgive yourself and and build and give yourself those things that you do deserve and construct those boundaries again. Make your own little castle. Yes. It's very important. Put that moat up. Don't let that drawbridge down for anyone. <laughs> I love it. No, it's like I love saying that I'm going into like periods of like yes. hermit mode. I love saying that. I feel like we talk about that. Yeah, like the tarot um, card, the hermit and everything for those who do tarot that are listening. But yeah, it's just kind of like not necessarily like in a super unhealthy way, but also you know, like shutting everybody out with a no just cause, like you're doing it intentionally to like look within and like, you know, you're coming out like knowing, like, I don't know. I just always do this, like maybe sometimes too much. Like, and that's when I had to like check myself and be like, I'm too, like, I would say like in the 5d right now, like I need to be just like human being. Yeah. And you have to be careful about self-isolating, right? You don't want to self-isolate, but you do need to take time Time to heal. Healing time is alone time. Healing time. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Because you have to do that alone. And a lot of people get scared of that. And I definitely ran from that for a long time. I remember like all of like mm-hmm. pretty much all my childhood. I mean, I had we always had TVs on constantly. There was always noise, you know, and I hated being alone because that's when I would just like cry or think about my shit. And it's like I should have. <laughs> I mean, therapy made me realize like, why do you hate being alone? Like what's coming up? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, a lot of stuff like, you know, realizing mm-hmm. I'm gay and like facing on all this like childhood trauma. But yeah, so you just got to go within and do that shit. Um, 
And it's also kind of, yeah. it's freeing though. Cause once you work through that, then you can just chill and like, yeah. I mean, I think about my grandma uh, because she lives alone and she literally loves it. She's like, I'm just doing whatever I want to do. She's retired. She's vibing down in Florida. Yes, Judy. Yeah. And it's like she, you, other people that I know that live alone, um, especially women are like just role models to me because it's like, people are shocked. Like when they find out, like I live alone, it's like, you can too. Like literally you, you can like anybody. Yeah. I know it still feels like it's like this revolutionary concept for some woman, for some woman to like want to live alone, right? Like there's such a stigma about it. And like, we're always taught to be so aware of like our like clock running out or something, or it's like, oh, there's something wrong with you. But like, right. there's not, there's not It's wonderful. It's <laughs> I'm going to exercise safe haven. my right to have my own damn bank account and sign contracts so I can get my own goddamn home. Fuck yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. This leads me to like one of the final questions was, okay, do you feel like you can get anything you want in your life? And I know this question, you know, to some people, you know, because of limiting beliefs, they might kind of like be nervous about this one or think like it's, mm -hmm. you know, there's like privilege with it or think like, you know, how could you have that? You know, we have to do all these things, and, you know. But I don't know, in the spiritual community, I, I feel like this is a big question for people. Like, and I kind of right. feel like I know the answer, but I'm curious. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, unreservedly, yes, I do think that I can have anything I want. Yes. And yeah, I think definitely in the past five years, I've definitely said definitely 20 times. I've stepped into my power, right? We love it. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I guess, so there's an interesting part of that where, uh, if you if you go through a lot of trauma, right, and you get yourself to a place mm -hmm. where you feel safe, mm -hmm. you realize that you've been in survival mode for so long. Survival mode, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yep. there was a big shift for me when I got not only out of survival mode, but then like there's like this plateau that you reach where you're like, I'm comfortable, and but I'm not going to rock the boat. I've I've made it this far, and I got out of the situation, but this is all I deserve Ooh. because I'm just escaping something, right? And yeah. and then there's a whole nother level you can be on in life where you're like, no, I can have anything I want. I deserve yes. anything that I want. And I mean, like within reason, right? I'm not talking like right. just like material stuff. I mean, like saying I believe in myself, and I know that I am a good human, and that yes. I am contributing to the society. And as such, I do deserve those things that I want because yes. those aren't unreasonable things. I do deserve happiness. Like love. I do deserve <laughs> free time, my love, like romance, uh, true friendship, true yes. connectedness. Yes. Right. And, and even then too, um, I've always been someone who is like, I will find something that I want to do, right? Like say wine or painting. And I'm like, I want to be good at that. So I'm going to be good at that. And that's kind of how it happened with me in science too. Right. Where I was like, I don't want to be a homeless piece of whatever. I want to be a fucking scientist mm -hmm. and I'm going to go do that. Yeah. You know, you were like, I'm going to just change this narrative right now. Just watch me. Yeah. Change the narrative. That's uh, that yeah. was a huge shift for me is realizing one, I'm the asshole. Right. So two, <laughs> stop being the asshole. Be something better. And, I feel and a lot this of time has, has been spent defining what does that something better mean? What does that look like? To wrap it up, the last thing that I have is a question for you saying, and I'm going to ask everybody this. Um, so have you always been somebody who listens to their body and rests when they need to rest? And what's an example of an ideal rest day for you? Yeah, I have not always been somebody who listens to my body. I have uh, in my past been somebody who sacrifices myself for the good of others, mm. right? Like too much of the mm -hmm. people pleasing. Um, yep. Sometimes in a very literal sense. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to listen to myself more. 
Um, and now I, now I take great delight and joy in doing that. Right. Just being like, very honestly, like, I don't yep. want to socialize today. I need Bianca time, you know, I'm going to, yes. yeah. There's a lot of things that I do to nourish myself, but for me, like a mm-hmm. definite rest moment that I need is just like my hermit, like hamster time. Mm-hmm. Like I need an <laughs> afternoon. It's just mm-hmm. me and like my favorite YouTube video game yes. playthroughs, you know what I mean? Or like, just like not answering texts, you know, got my snacks. Like that's how I really recharge. And and learning that was really important for me because I am really social, but I do also need to recharge. Otherwise I get sick or I get, you know, I get like resentful or, you know, the quality of my work suffers or my mental health suffers. Totally. Ugh, I'm obsessed with you because <laughs> I just have memories of you like reading on the couch. Like- I do love to read. She's so wholesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, you inspire me. <laughs> no, I have all these books and like because ADHD and social media and yeah. shit, I like start a bunch of them and then never finish. Yeah. Okay, fun little update since recording this episode. I did finish a book that I have been reading for the past month. So go me. Okay, well, wow, this was amazing. Thank you so much for chatting and going so in depth. This was so healing for me. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Ah, I love you. Good luck with the pod. Thank you, Queen. Um, Okay, well, enjoy your burrito and we got to do a FaceTime soon, please. Yes, I would love that. Okay. Yay, good. All right. Okay, I love you. Bye. Love you, bye. Wow. Okay. If you have made it here, thank you so much for listening to the full episode of Living Our Best Lives, episode four, starring Bianca, who is amazing, as you know now, because you have listened to a lot of her life story. (laughs) Immense gratitude for her vulnerability there. I wanted to give a shout out to myself, actually, at the end of this episode, because in this episode, I mentioned that I was in the market for a new job. And guess what? I actually was offered and accepted a position this past week. The job is so, so exciting. I'm back producing media, commercial TV content again. I'm really, really excited and hopeful to have a balanced schedule, a hybrid work environment. Sorry if you hear a helicopter in the background. My windows are open because it is a toasty August 1st Eve. Okay, it's starting to get loud. That's my cue. Anyways... Sending love to you all. Can't wait to chat with Charlie Nick next Monday. Thanks again for being here. Don't forget to rate this podcast five stars. You already know on all the platforms and share it with your peeps because we're trying to grow this community. So peace out. Love to you all. You're awesome. I'm proud of you. Okay. Bye.